Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone. I'm Patricia Raskin, and welcome, welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. We're in our 20th year, and so happy to be with you, and today we have on another amazing guest who really talks about how we can improve the quality of our life. My guest is Dr. Barry Weinhold, who's a PhD. He's a professor emeritus at University of Colorado at Colorado Springs and has been a licensed psychologist since 1976. He is an author or co-author of over 75 books in psychology. We're going to talk about his latest one. He serves as clinical director of the Colorado Institute for Conflict Resolution and Creative Leadership, and he co-directs the Colorado Professional Development Center, where he offers trauma-informed care trainings to health services professionals. So he does just amazing work. And we're talking about a brand new book uh, of Barry's, and it is called Get Real, The Hazards of Living Out of Your False Self. Welcome, Barry. Thank you. Welcome. I'm good to talk with you. Yeah. So, you know, in your first chapter, you talk about what is the difference between your false self and your true self. So, right. What is it? I mean, and what motivated you to write this book since you've written so well, that's many? Well, that's an interesting story to begin with. Uh, uh, I've been researching this subject for some time now and, and been working with my clients uh, doing clinical research on, on the topic. Uh, and then uh, it's also kind of seemed timely. Uh, I noticed that on our website, the page that most people visit is the page about the false self. So there must be interest in it, I thought. Well, then, of course, the recent kind of uh, things that have been happening in this country and how we're drifting towards a post-truth reality uh, led me to say, this is the time I need to get this book out. And then there's one other thing that happened that I, 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 I am uh, an advocate of doing your own personal archaeology, going back and looking at what happened in your, didn't happen in your life earlier on that has had some effect on you, what interrupted your development Mm. in some way and now comes back to maybe to haunt you in adult life and you have opportunities to look at that if you go back and look at where it might have come from. And so I went back and I looked at a lot of things in my childhood that might have influenced my false self. And I remember one of them specifically my my grandmother, when I was five years old, said to me, Barry, don't give your parents any more problems than they have already. They already have too many. So be a good boy. Mm-hmm. So and that's still with you. I put yeah. on a false yeah. self and was a good yeah. boy and and yeah. did everything I could to please my parents. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting you say that. I remember I wrote a book with my dad called... Um, uh, seven Principles of Positive Living Pathfinding, and his stories are in there. He's since passed, and he tells a story very similar to that, where he had been, um, he had a big occasion. I think he had had a bar mitzvah, and everybody was praising him. And the uncle said, don't praise him so fast. You don't know how he's going to end up. And that stayed with right. my father all those years, that one comment. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, that had a, a big impact in my, my development. Yeah. 
And I remember my dad always saying, don't brag, don't say things. And I kept saying, why can't I say something good? Oh, you better not. And it's all from that one comment, Barry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So you understand what I'm talking about, how powerful that can be in someone's life. So what happens is what you're saying is they buy into that concept and then they stay with it. So that means that you always wanted to be a good boy because that's what she had said to you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And and that meant pleasing other people. And that's what the the basis for the false self is, is that we try to please other people and uh, get them to like us and... uh, so we can get along. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that in some sense, but for most people, uh, it becomes a habit and they don't even have, think they have anything other than that as a self. And what's the fallout from that? What's the fallout if it's a habit and you're always doing it? What then happens? You get sad. Well, as I wrote in the the book on, uh, I think it's, uh, looking here, page 87, uh, I wrote the 10 daily hazards that your false self can create. And a lot of them are about how it affects people's thinking. Uh, people draw conclusions in the absence of a, uh, sufficient evidence. Uh, they, they do what is sometimes called mind reading. They, they re- read that some people, they don't like me. Or uh, a fortune tale, which means that they're not going to offer me this job. And, uh, so that's one of them. And then they overgeneralize, uh, kind of looking at something and making it fit to everything in their life. They overfocus on negative things that happen to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they uh, they notice the positive things, but they often say they're unimportant, and they mm-hmm. place. Uh, experiences in one of two opposite extremes. They do a lot of either or uh, thinking or black and white thinking is what I call it. And that Mm. is a characteristic. And and in most situations, uh, if you're really thinking, you can think about more than two options. Uh, But Mm. many people who are living out of their false self don't. They tend to catastrophize about bad things. Uh, They don't trust their feelings as a guide to their decisions, Mm -hmm. and they hold sometimes unrealistic expectations uh, of themselves and other people. So there are just a few of the things in that list that... uh, that, So let me me ask you about this then. If, If a parent is listening to this and they have small children, what can a parent do to lead your child to the true self and not the false self? Well, that's a great question, and uh, if you might don't mind, I'll go on a bit on that. Go ahead. Uh, we have a uh, uh, we've developed our own kind of personal theory uh, called the developmental systems theory, and we look at how uh, all human systems go through four stages of development. First is the codependent stage, which is like from zero to about nine months. Uh, when the child is totally dependent, and the major task in that period is is bonding and attachment to another human being. This is absolutely essential for survival. Well, we know that about half of the infants in this country particularly uh, go through that stage and do not achieve what is called secure bonding and attachment. They have an insecure attachment, so they don't quite have that completed. And I'll get back to that later, but let me move on with the other stages. And the third, the second stage we call the counterdependent stage. And this is the stage when 
the infant is separating from its parent and developing a self. And this is the most important stage in the development of the, of the true or authentic self. And how parents behave towards a child during that stage will determine whether the child develops a false self or develops a, an authentic or true self. The foundation for a true self, if the parents are able to facilitate that, should be there by about age two or three. And most people, my mm-hmm. estimates are that 95% of adults did not get that kind of facilitated support. Now, here, what can parents do? That was your question. I, yeah. uh, let me just be the, la- the last two stages very quickly, then I'll come back to that. Uh, the, the, the stage after that is called the independent stage of development. This is where the child is mastering everyday tasks and learning how to take care of themselves. And it's a very important stage. It goes from about age three to about six, and, and then it goes on beyond that. But that's the, where most of the work is done. And the child is busy at work during that stage in mastering everything, uh, learning how to dress themselves, feed themselves, uh, take care of everything about themselves. And they are uh, thrilled when they're able to do that. Now, mm-hmm. what a parent needs to do at that stage, particularly is, uh, and even before that, when the child uh, in the exploratory and the separation stage, they develop what is called a, a love affair of the world. And so they are out there trying to discover everything in their environment and try to figure out how it works. And when they do that, they're excited and they come to the parent and they, they want to tell the parent how excited they are. Most parents miss the boat at that point. Uh, the child comes and says, oh, I'm so excited. Look what I discovered. And the parent says, well, yeah, I, I see what you mean. Thanks for bringing it to me. Or that oh, even worse, they might say, well, can't you see I'm busy? Go, go, go play. Right. They don't acknowledge. And what the, the parent should say when that happens to really be able to build that inner sense of self is to say, wow, I see how excited you are. Isn't that great that you discovered that? That's the kind of response that builds the the true self. And the other responses are are reinforced that I have to please other people, and it's more important what they think than what I think. You know, I'm wondering, Barry, I've got a question for you in doing this, if you don't mind, and that is that people during covid I mean, where we do have more time now to spend with our family, you know, whether we like it or not, there's more time. Do you think this is a good time to really be practicing these skills? Do you think we, this is a good opportunity? The perfect opportunity because we, we're no longer distracted by all, a lot of other things. Uh, we have to stay home. We have to isolate. Uh, we have to quarantine. And so it's an opportunity to really do some deep diving into our own uh, personal history and finding out what is it about what happened or didn't happen to me as a child that's still kind mm-hmm. of sticking in my craw, is still kind mm-hmm. of affecting my life. Mm-hmm. Because uh, one little-known fact, is that is important to understand about that is that the natural learning style of human beings is to repeat anything that in their past didn't get finished in some way. Didn't They didn't either understand it or it didn't get fully uh, uh, integrated into, into who they were. And mm-hmm. so anything like that will tend to show up again and again until it finally gets understood. And so when... You find yourself as an adult, maybe as a parent, uh, dealing with your children, and, and you find 
And one of the things that uh, that parents often do is they say, well, I will never, ever treat my children the way I was treated. I'll never say what they said to me. Right. And yeah. then in the heat of, well, guess what happens? They say mm-hmm. what they do, what exactly was done mm-hmm. to them, and mm-hmm. they even often use the same words that were used mm-hmm. on them. And they, and, so, and they don't. And they don't even realize it. Yeah, right. Some do, and then they they're ashamed of it. Uh, mm-hmm. And and but the, but the fact is that uh, we will repeat whatever happened to us or didn't happen that should have happened right. that disrupted our normal sure. development as a child or any time right. in life. And on that note, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more to Barry Weinhold about his amazing book and called Get Real, The Hazards of Living Out of Your False Self. So stay tuned. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you ready for a shakeup in your online entertainment? Then listen for the Information Edge with Darren Yancey. It's time to take a fresh look at the politics of our economy and its impact on you. Darren and his guests will explain these rights, legislation, and observations in sectors that affect people around the world every day. Imagine a podcast that makes you stop and think. That's the Information Edge. Tune in every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Central, and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone, and we are back. I'm Patricia Raskin, and you are listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. And my guest today is Dr. Barry Weinhold, who is uh, just an amazing, uh, a fountain, just a fountain of, of information. He is a PhD. He's a professor emeritus at the University of Colorado at Colorado Springs. 
He's been a licensed psychologist since 1976, and he's the author or co-author of over 75 books on psychology. He serves as the clinical director of the Colorado Institute for Conflict Resolution and Creative Leadership and co-directs the Colorado Professional Development Center, where he offers trauma-informed care trainings to health services professionals. And we're talking about Barry's book, uh, which is his brand new book, which is Get Real, The Hazards of Living Out of Your False Self. Welcome back, Barry. I know you were talking about one of the other stages of the false self. Go ahead. Of the false stage uh, of the development, not of the false self, but of of human development, normal development, we call the interdependent stage. When people learn how to cooperate with each other, and, and that is a stage that kind of goes from about age six to about age 18, the school years. And, and during that time, uh, they also need to learn how to resolve conflicts in an effective way and, uh, and take care of themselves, learn how to get their needs met in effective ways. And if they do that by age 18, they will have the tools to live out the rest of their lives. Now, unfortunately, hardly anybody goes through those four stages without some disruption in their development. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's always a case of catching up as adults. But if we know that, if we know that some things that happened or didn't happen as a child are going to come back and, and we'll have another opportunity to, to integrate them and, and understand them, then it's, it's no big deal when one of those things happens. And, but people get so freaked out when it happens that they feel ashamed that, that they, they're still getting uh, uh, upset about things that they didn't think they should have gotten upset about. You know, yeah. that's I think my yeah. question to you is, how do you know? Because sometimes you don't, you know, you don't, you haven't figured it out. I mean, this is your field. So you figured out, yes, you know, I have a false self here. But some people, for example, are just people pleasers. And they're very unhappy because they're just constantly doing things they don't want to do. But they haven't right. figured out it's part of their false self. And they don't even know how to label it. So what do you suggest? And they don't even know there's anything else but that. Right. I mean, this is the only game in town. I've got to make the best of of what I do. And and as a people pleaser, you hit the nail on the head. They're usually very unhappy. Right. Because basically the people pleasing part is designed also to uh, do things for others and hope that they'll do something back for us. You know, it's kind of like an un spoken agreement that if I do something for you, you ought to do something for me. Well, that just doesn't happen in life. People don't operate that way. But that's how people pleasers think that life should be. And then when it doesn't happen, they think it's unfair. And that people are greedy or, or, or insensitive, you know. So, But anyway, the, I think the, one of the ways, let me just say this, I think one of the ways that this show can help in listening is if you're listening to this program and you're saying, boy, you know, I think that might be me. I never thought of it before. I'm always, you know, doing things for other people. And if it, if there's a resonance, it may be something you want to check out. Right, Barry? You may want to go to a counselor, a therapist, check it out. Right. Because otherwise you, you, you're constantly doing something that, you know, instinctively you don't want to do, but it's sort of habitual, as you said. Well, there are ways that you can, uh, you know, uh, reflect on your behavior and, and, and begin to identify whatever was not finished. I mean, I've, I have about seven ways that I, I give to people to use to 
help them do that. Uh, and the first yep. one is look at your unresolved conflicts that you're having in your current relationships. And likely they are conflicts that are uh, an attempt to, to bring something into present time that was an, uh, maybe an unresolved conflict in childhood. And it, it came back again. So that's one thing is looking at your at your unresolved conflicts and seeing connecting the dots and saying when did this happen to me before what are, what's similar about this conflict yes. with anything yes. that happened in my yes. childhood and then the and, second and, one is let me just, add, just at, add to that let me just ask you and does that often happen when we find ourselves kind of the same story again so in other words yes. you had this issue with a significant person in your life and then all of a sudden someone else comes along it's the same kind of personality right and that's, so you're that's what happens is that people come and they there's enough similarity in them to the people that were involved in the original unresolved conflict that it comes up again mm. okay go ahead this is fascinating well, then they also, people also need to look at any chronic or acute body symptoms. I mean, your body is telling you, the body uh, never lies. It tells you what the, what's truth and what's true about you. So if you have uh, looking, uh, look, uh, a chance to just examine what, what, where am I hurting? What are body symptoms I have? And what could that be, uh, relate, how could that be related to something that happened in my childhood? And, and so sometimes doing good body work helps with that, not necessarily, you know, psychotherapy. And then if you have symptoms like OCD, uh, depression, or anxiety, those are other signs that your body or your, your consciousness is getting tweaked and you need to pay attention to something that's causing those symptoms to occur. And then one of the things I've found is that a lot of people are in their false self become addicted to uh, substances or activities. So addiction mm. is another one. What are you addicted to? And uh, do you know what the most addictive substance is to the human body? What? I don't know. It's your own adrenaline. Mm. Mm. And so addiction to adrenaline is one of the things I, I look at. And I ask people to think about, are you leading an adrenalized lifestyle? Do you really just kind of crave activities to keep on, just keep busy? And, and give, an, give an example of that, Barry. Give an example of someone who you think would be an adrenaline junkie. Oh, people who uh, are exercise junkies. That, that they, their, their goal is to be in the gym so many hours every week, and, and they push themselves to exhaustion. That's one. And then the other ones are that they, they get involved in high-risk behaviors because the adrenaline is needs to have some outlet, and so they do things that are that other people wouldn't do, uh, and also they watch scary movies or TV shows um, because that's a way to uh, to uh, uh, drain off some adrenaline. So there's lots of little things. I actually have, and it's in the book, an addiction to adrenaline inventory, and it lists about sixty everyday behaviors that people engage in. And each one of those is, could be, if done in excess, could be tied to an addiction to adrenaline. So you mm-hmm. take that self quiz, and you can you can diagnose yourself. And then another one I look at, or ask people to look at, and I have a book on this. Uh, it's uh, look at unhealed intergenerational family patterns. Mm-hmm. What was on in your family 
growing up that's now going on in your family that you've created? And what patterns are happening that are similar? And are those uh, things things that you want to do, or are they just things that you habitually do because they were done in your family growing up? Hmm. And then you know, another one. You know, I want to ask you this. I think, and you tell me what you think. You know, when you've been through something like that and you're repeating patterns and you learn what they are and you break them, so you no longer do those habituated patterns, it's not an easy thing to do. Do you think it's almost easier in a way to, like, ignorance is bliss? You just follow the patterns. You don't have to worry about it. You know, Uh, now, of course, if if they're good patterns, right, if they're good patterns. Well, I'm sure that there are good patterns that people learn, but it's the the ones that aren't good for you that you follow blindly that can get you in trouble. Right. Okay. All right. Go ahead. And the last one, uh, well, two more. Uh, the I talk to people about the drama triangle, the persecutor, rescuer, victim game that people play. And that's a very common social interaction game that, that people have, particularly if they're in their false self, because The goal of the drama triangle is to get to the victim role where you don't have to have any responsibility. And um, because uh, there are two forms of of, uh, false selves that develop. First of them, one is called the deflated or the uh, the, the kind of, I call it, the codependent false self. It's the false self that... uh, doesn't have very much self-worth, uh, plays victim a lot, uh, uh, doesn't like to assume responsibility, blames other people for things that happen to them. That's the deflated false self. And then the other one, is, which is actually a little more common in our culture, is the inflated or narcissistic false self. And that self uh, often tries to impress people with how, how much you do, sometimes <laughs> over uh over-bragging about what, who you are to other people to impress them. Uh, but it also is a way of avoiding responsibility because people who are narcissistic never assume much responsibility for their behavior. It's always somebody else's fault. And so that's yes. the, two, the two most common forms of the false self that we see right now. Uh, and you see some public figures who are incredible examples of, of either the depressed false self the uh, the uh, deflated one or the inflated version. Mm, fascinating. And then so, the last thing is I use, and the book is filled with this, a lot of self self assessment inventories. Some ways which is that great. you you can take these self inventories, and in taking them and scoring them, you can see where you stand on on a lot of issues that that show up or are called for in the right. inventories. And Where so can the book you get the book, Barry? How can, they, how can they find the book? Well, it's available at Amazon, and uh, it's uh, 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 that's the main place, I would say, to, to look for it. It's also in some bookstores, but I, I don't know which ones. And what is your website? It's uh, uh, my name, the plural, W-E-I-N-H-O-L-D-S dot O-R-G. And the whole website is designed to provide resources for living an authentic life. So it, there's a lot of free resources on that website, a lot of more information about the false self. There's a ton of information that we've gathered about uh, how to live a more authentic life. 
Wonderful. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Then when we come back, we are going to talk more to Barry Weinhold, who is the author of over 75 books in psychology. He's a PhD. He's a professor emeritus at University of Colorado at Colorado Springs. And he has written a brand new book, Get Real, The Hazards of Living Out of Your False Self. We'll be back with Barry right after the break. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. We're here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice, and we'll be right back. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Bullock. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What are the labels that identify us? Who are we and how do we figure out our place in the world? Do we own our narrative? If you were to create your biography today, what would it say about you? Listen for Dropping In with host Diane Dewey, the author of the award-winning memoir, Fixing the Fates. Diane and her guests will give their version of finding themselves. Find out about your authenticity by dropping in every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. A brave heart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Brave Hearts Radio with Brian Reinbold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired, create your own story to share, and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input, too. Listen for Brave Hearts Radio, Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. And my amazing guest today uh, is Barry Weinhold, who is uh, just such a prolific author and just amazing wisdom and knowledge. He's a PhD. He's a professor emeritus at University of Colorado at Colorado Springs, and he's been a licensed psychologist since 1976. He's co-authored or authored over 75 books in psychology. His brand new book, which we're talking about today, is called Get Real, The Hazards of Living Out of Your Fault Self. And Barry is the clinical director of the Colorado Institute for Conflict Resolution and Creative Leadership. 
and he co-directs the Colorado Professional Development Center, where he offers trauma-informed care trainings to health services professionals. Welcome back, Barry. Thank you. Okay, let's talk about the fault self and how it originates, you know, how how it kind uh, of grows. there's a couple of things that are very important for people to understand. At least, I mean, I'm, I'm a developmental psychologist, so I look at everything about uh, that, that happens or doesn't happen that might interfere with that development, our normal development. So in that first stage, the codependent stage, uh, the uh, if the child does not achieve a secure attachment with, uh, usually it's the mother, uh, and uh, in that in that first stage, they actually do not develop a sense of a, a secure sense of basic trust, and so they they grow up as adults and find themselves having to test people because they don't trust them, mm. uh, or they they even start to distrust the government, which is like a substitute parent, uh, and so that that sense of basic trust is not fully developed in those people, and that leads them to. Distrust and also the uh, the need that to, for that attachment to, to complete that is that they have uh, a, a a propensity to try to uh, join organizations or causes. Uh, they they are uh, actually that becomes a much more important uh, criteria for them than anything else is that who what I can belong to or who who can I. Uh, relate to that is is similar to me, and so that's a part of the, uh, trying to still fill that missing attachment and bonding that didn't get finished. And so they, they tend to follow uh, 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 charismatic leaders, <laughs> as we've seen lately in politics, and and they tend to be people who uh, who value belonging to organizations, church, uh, whatever other fraternal organizations they might have, or anything in the community, or even larger uh, movements or causes that are happening nationwide. So that's a thing that I see happens as a result of not having that that uh, uh, basic trust intact when they leave mm-hmm. that age of development. Then they so, also it's like, become- so it's like they're looking over their shoulder all the time, in a way. Yes. Yes, that's a good way to put it, Patricia. They they tend to not be able to relax and, and just enjoy life. They're they're constantly worried and fearful about what might happen that uh, that they didn't they didn't uh, think about. Like uh, so, they they they're again that leads to a lot of anxiety, fear of the future, and then also they develop a lot of uh, shaming kind of feelings about themselves because the, the child at that stage can't separate themselves from others. And so if something bad happens, they think they must have caused it, which then leads them to come to a conclusion that there must be something wrong with me. Every client I've ever had had some semblance of this. And it usually boiled down to the statement that I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. Mm-hmm. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not rich enough. Mm-hmm. You know, that. Mm-hmm. that that scenario, and that's that's uh, the basis for that is is what I call toxic shame, and then mm-hmm. people get ashamed of being ashamed, and they have to hide it, and so they uh, there's another layer develops, uh, and so if you can just understand that this is a normal part of early development, and and 
you can work your way out of that by really now having the cognitive ability to see that whatever happened to you uh, growing up wasn't your fault. It didn't mean that there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. And what can what can parents do? Let's talk about well, parenting. There's some other important things that parents can do because what we know from the research is that by the time a child reaches the a toddler reaches the age of two or three, they've heard the word no two hundred thousand times. Mm. The research has confirmed that. Mm. I mean, that seems almost impossible, but that's that's. I mean, parents are are often the policemen trying to keep the child safe and, and, and make sure they don't get into things that they shouldn't and all that. So, And usually when a child is, does that, it isn't one no. It's no, 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 or no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they added up all the no's that the parents typically give, and it's 200,000 times. And what mm-hmm. children need to develop the true self during that period is twice as many yeses as no's. They need to know yes. that... What they're doing is affirmed, and uh, yes, they sometimes need to hear the word no, but as long as they hear the, an, uh, an ample amount of yeses, they can balance that out. For example, if you've got a Johnny in the floor playing with his blocks and he gets mad about something and he starts throwing the blocks, well, uh, here's an opportunity where a parent can step in and do twice as many yeses as noes. They can say, well, no, it's not okay, Johnny, when you're angry to, f- to throw your blocks. But here are two other things you can do when you mm-hmm. get angry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then you tell them two things that they can do. Uh, and and yeah. anything, anytime you say no, you should also think about two other things that you can suggest for them to do that, that are okay. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that isn't hard to do some, if, if you're thinking that way. So that, that do, is extremely do you think, I want to ask you this, Barry. I mean, you've been at this for a long time. Do you think it's changed with parenting? Do you think um, that parents are now more proactive about being positive than they might have been 20, 30 years ago when it, things were more black and white than they are now? What do you think? I'm not sure. I, I, that's a tough one. Uh, okay. I think uh, the, the, certainly the COVID crisis has, has put a lot of pressure on parents. And sometimes it's brought out the worst in them during this time. Uh, mm-hmm. Under ordinary circumstances, they wouldn't be doing some of the things they're doing now. And it's stressing them. And in their stress state, often they say and do things that they regret. So I think that the, I, I would look at the current situation as a, maybe an anomaly. I would, overall, I might agree with you, but I think currently we're seeing a lot more child abuse we're seeing a lot more uh, domestic violence, uh, and because people are stressed and and they're having to do things and be in in contact with each other uh, much more than they're comfortable with. Yeah, and then so the other like- thing that's important is that in this country, particularly, we do not give parents much support. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we have no paid family leave, so a mother who's working and gets pregnant has to take off time from work to deliver the child, and usually they have to be back at work between six and eight weeks after birth because otherwise the, it, it provides a financial hardship to the family. So what do they do? They put the child in child care, the infant in child care, at age six weeks. That's much too early. That's why, that's why this 
bonding and attachment doesn't get finished. It's cut off too soon. Mm-hmm. Mother doesn't have that much time left over to spend doing the things that promote bonding and attachment, like holding mm-hmm. the child, talking to the child, singing to the child, playing with the child. That That is now limited because the, the woman, the mother is working. And, and yeah. what they get at child care is just custodial. They don't get a lot of uh, stimulation. Do you think, do you think COVID um, has helped with that and that the mother has more time to do bonding, even though they're busy, but the mom is home with the child? What do you think, Barry, or no? Well, it, under ordinary circumstances, I think it would be ideal. But it's not ordinary circumstances because usually the mother is home with the child because she's been laid off her job. Mm-hmm. So she's mm-hmm. financial worries that are uh, on her mind. Uh, she has a lot of maybe not as much support as she would like uh, uh, because other people, everyone's isolated. Nobody can come and, and hold the baby for her when she takes a mm-hmm. nap. And so mm-hmm. there's a lot more stress and a lot more pressure on mothers right now uh, during this COVID crisis. And I think that... Uh, uh, ordinarily, it would be an ideal time to have more time with your children, and you'd love to have that. But with all the other, uh, you know, financial worries and concerns, uh, it's hard for mothers to relax and, and not be stressed mm-hmm. about all the, the problems all right. they have. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to have another segment with Barry Weinhold, who is a professor emeritus at the University of Colorado, Colorado Springs. He uh, has written over 75 books in psychology, either co-authored or authored, and he's the clinical director of the Colorado Institute for Conflict Resolution and Creative Leadership. And when we come back, we're going to talk more to Barry about his newest book, which is called Get Real, The Hazards of Living Out of Your False Self. And what we'll talk about is, you know, all of the thinking that we have, sort of the polarized thinking, what can we do as individuals to come together out of our false selves and, you know, be more transparent and more more authentic, sort of what's his um, prescription for this year and moving forward as as we move through COVID now and and hopefully uh, come out of it in the next year. Um, So we're going to be back with Barry um, very soon, right after the break, right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. I'm Patricia Raskin, and we'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Tune in every week for Making Action Happen, hosted by Sarah Blackhurst. The program takes you inside Action 22, a Colorado-based community outreach organization established in 1999. The show focuses on public policies, both politically driven or not, which have ongoing and immediate impact on the Colorado community and the world. It doesn't matter where you are, you can make action happen. Listen Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and 1 p.m. Mountain Time on Voice America Variety. Today, many doctors prescribe basic pharmaceuticals to their patients who aren't feeling well or have various aches or pains. Is this the right course of action for all patients? Definitely not. Find out about healthy, natural ways to help you feel your best by tuning in to the CBD Ed Show with host Edward Cheney. Ed will explain full-spectrum CBD, where the whole hemp plant can be used for treatment, and answer all of your questions about CBD and natural treatment in general. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. are listening to the Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to the Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone, and we are back. We are back with my guest, Dr. Barry Weinhold, Ph.D., Professor Emeritus at the University of Colorado in Colorado Springs. He's been a licensed psychologist since 1976, and he's an author or co-author of over 75 books on psychology. He currently serves as the clinical director of the Colorado Institute for Conflict Resolution and Creative Leadership, and he also co-directs the Colorado Professional Development Center, where he offers trauma-informed care trainings to health services professionals. And his newest book, is Get Real, The Hazards of Living Out of Your False Self. Welcome back, Barry. Thank you. Okay, so please, let's look at the future. How can we we get our real self right back and bond with people and heal? Well, the last chapter in the book is titled How to Reclaim Your True Self. And uh, I'll go through just a few of the, I have 15 suggestions in there. I'll just give you a few of them to give you a sample of what, what I'm talking about. Uh, the first one is uh, don't try to fake your feelings. <laughs> be, be honest with what you feel with people. And, and just express your feelings, obviously, in, a, in appropriate ways. Uh, and, and I think that's a, that's a signal of that you're authentic and that you're trustworthy. And that people will res- respond to that a favorable way. If, if I mean, if you're just kind of trying to fake it and, uh, and 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 not share your real feelings, then people will pick that up. And you should not worry about trying to please everybody. That's the biggest trap that people have in their false mm-hmm. self. You just can't ever please everybody. And so highly authentic people drive to show compassion and understanding to other people, but they don't strive to live up to other people's expectations or bother to please everybody. And then you can't compare your journey to everyone else's. In other words, uh, be yourself. Everyone else is taken. (laughs) That's one expression Mm -hmm. I like. Uh, And so, you know... uh, 
whatever your life's journey is, uh, 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 you know, relish the things that you're able to do and succeed in doing. And and we all are uniquely individualistic, and we uh, we all have different gifts and aspirations, and we have access to resources that are necessary for success and happiness. So that's an important one. And then uh, you can't seek or need other people's validation all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to somehow, authentic people are more comfortable with their under the, in their own skin and know their own self-worth. They don't need other people to validate that. And don't lie. Mm-hmm. I mean, be honest with people. I think it's a little like the first one I said about being honest with your feelings. And don't pretend to be someone you're not. Just be you. And mm-hmm. whenever you meet people, uh, Know that being you is enough. You're enough. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I think... Barry, what do you say to people who are listening to this interview and saying, boy, I could use some pointers, but I really don't want to go to therapy. In other words, therapy becomes a stigma for them. What would you Uh, say? I know it's for a lot of people, but I'm a firm believer that people can do their own therapy if they they really uh, want to be, uh, you know, committed to that. I mean, being uh, the two skills that people need are being self-reflective about what what's going on in my life and where did that come from, and then being self-corrective. Once you find out where it's coming from, what do I need to correct? And that doesn't require you to be in therapy to do that. Everyone has the capacity to do that if you want to. And the and, and books like this one are, are great tools because it gives you a lot of ideas about what to reflect on and what to correct. And if you don't know what they are, reading this book will give you a clear picture of what, what, the, what the tasks are. So that's how I look at it. And then sometimes it's useful to have, I, I, I of course, uh, am married to a therapist, <laughs> and we've been married for 36 years, so uh, we're, we're kind of therapists to each other in that regard. But uh, and if you have a, a, a cherished partner, uh, you can also uh, engage them and help have them help you uh, work with this. Yeah, which is really wonderful. And how do people, again, uh, get the book? Well, it's available at Amazon. Um, and uh, that's the most uh, readily available place for it. It may be in your local bookstore, but you'll have to call and find out. Yeah. Yeah, now you're working on a new book um, called Intimate Combat, Conflict Resolution for Couples. Tell us about this. We have some time. Yeah, I mean, what I said earlier about how unresolved conflict can be a doorway to find out what it is that you're replaying in your current life. And so basically it's a book to help couples uh, learn how to resolve their conflicts in healthy ways. And we're fighting in this COVID crisis that uh, there's a lot more domestic violence happening. The couples absolutely don't have good skills to resolve conflicts, and then the conflicts start to escalate into violence. And so these are the book is, a again, like this one, with a lot of very, very practical tools. In fact, I have... Uh, step-by-step worksheets that couples can run off and use when they're in the middle of a conflict. And they just, each one has a copy of the worksheet and they just go through each step and take turns and, and get the result, the resolution they want. And so I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, I think, uh, four different levels of conflict in the book. Uh, 
basic wants and needs, uh, everyday kind of conflict. Once, uh, then the second level, which is more difficult, is conflicts of values and beliefs, where we have values and beliefs that don't match, and how do we deal with that in our relationships? And then something I call intractable conflict, which has to do with uh, conflict that keeps repeating over and over in your life. And clearly, this is conflict that's related to something that didn't get finished earlier in life. It's a res- usually a result of unresolved conflict earlier in life. And then the fourth one I call betrayal conflict, because a lot of couples experience betrayal. And not necessarily just sexual be- betrayal, but there are a lot of little In fact, I have 10 betrayals that aren't sexual in the book, examples of what they are, and that uh, that can disrupt and the trust in a relationship. I think that, again, is the, the big issue that, that couples have to face is that, can I trust this person with my life? Do they have my back? And, and that is something that is developed over time, and one of the best ways to, to develop that kind of trust is by being able to resolve conflicts with each other in a very healthy way. Yeah, so I'm excited wonderful. about All right, closing thoughts. What would you like to leave our listeners with? with? Well, uh, don't lament that you have a false self. We all have one. The key is to know that you have a false self and there's something better. And to identify what is your false self and then look at what is your true self. Uh, And the false self is the part that you use to try to please other people and get along with people. And there's nothing wrong with doing that except if you don't do it consciously. When I do, when I try to please somebody, I'm always aware that I'm doing that, and and that's a, again, I think the the first step is knowing that when you're in your false self and when you're not, when you're in your true self, and your true self is really that self that speaks from your heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, Barry, this has been a wonderful interview. Well, it's thank you. Good. I enjoyed it much. I love talking about this subject because yeah. it's dear to my heart. Yeah, and like you said, you open your heart, right? That's where the true yep. self comes out. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, folks, um, stand the line for a minute. All right, uh, that wraps up this uh, this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. Uh, if you'd like to learn about more of the guests on my program, write to me, Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Uh, if you want to like me on Facebook, Patricia Raskin, Raskin Resources. And if you'd like to create your own podcast or you'd like a co-host because I've interviewed 5,000 people and really can help you do it, contact me, Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know that you can make your dreams come true. And before we go, Barry, just give out your website one more time. I think it's wineholds.org, W-E-I-N-H-O-L-D-S.org. All right. And the the book, uh, certainly um, the the book can be uh, found online. And again, the book is Get Real, The Hazards of Living Out of Your False Self. All right. Thanks, Barry. And thanks, everybody. I'm going to say bye for now. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of The Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.